You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And today's episode of Locked On Kentucky is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Kyle, yesterday, I believe Thursday, I, I believe it was the highest uh, number of uh, new cases of the COVID-19 virus in America. So if you if you look back, if you think back to when this first happened in March, and just how you know things started shutting down and sports were canceled and all the um you know the fear and the anxiety over what we were facing and all the measures that we took and Kentucky did a, a phenomenal job of of um you know keeping the spread of the virus down flattening the curve that was the word and so to be in this situation now where it's worse than it was in the beginning just makes you wonder how we will, how, how football will be affected now. I mean, if we're, if we know better than we were in March, then how could you possibly play a football season? Um, when you, it's, you know, eight weeks away, roughly nine yeah. weeks away. Yeah. I mean, so, I've, I definitely have, I definitely have like, I think we talked about this on the last one, more reservations. You know, I did a mailbag on the, the athletic and somebody asked about, you know, I think the question we ended on was, um, do you think we'll see a full football season this fall? And I do think yeah. we'll, I still think we'll start one, but I just, my, my increasing feeling is that we may not finish it. You know, it's just hard to think like how are, you know, when, when one team going into a big game has half its key players test positive, then what? Yeah. You know, if Kentucky's yeah. like about to play Georgia with a chance to go win the SEC East and, Terry Wilson and you know both starting offensive tackles and the, the running back thousand yard running back and the all American corner has have just tested positive that week and required to quarantine for two weeks. <laughs> what, right. what, what, what do you do? Uh, or if somebody's coming to play you and they've got thirty you know active cases, like what do you do? Uh, so I you know do you with these non conference games where they have different. Um, policies than you do like do you allow them to come play you if they you know if they're not up to par on testing i don't know um it's it's certainly alarming that we have the number of cases just surging nationally the one thing i guess i would say as i try to be measured about it even though i'm kind of freaked out is you know i need to look more at the data of deaths you know i think it seems like we're better at treating this now um and mitigating death so that people aren't you know dying at an alarming rate and certainly not very many young people. Um, so there's that, uh, you know, there's where are we not knowing where we're going to be with even better treatments, you know, in the next month, two months, three months, four months, you know, by the time we're in the middle of football season, might we have a really effective treatment? Uh, even if we don't have a vaccine yet, um, all that is interesting. And then, uh, or, or, you know, 
I think, food for debate. And then the other thing that was uh, just popped up, all these NBA writers on my timeline are tweeting it out. And I think there is something to this, and it's from Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. And he said, my ultimate, some people are asking him about the, you know, the new COVID data. And he says, my ultimate conclusion is we can't outrun the virus. Um, uh, Says this is where we will be uh, for a while as a country. Um, You know, that's true too. I mean, (laughs) we we may get to a point where we have to just find a way to do the best we can. Well, the thinking has definitely changed because these numbers, uh, this situation was pretty much the same mostly the same back when the NBA canceled its season. Right. Um, and now they're going to go back and play in Florida where they're having a huge uptick in numbers. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, the whole reason I remember Andy Brashear explaining why we're uh, trying to do what we were doing is to flatten the curve is to prevent overwhelming our healthcare right. system. And those people are, it's being overwhelmed again, uh, you know, beds and ICU beds and, Texas and in Florida and in California and in Arizona, they're reaching breaking point again. And, and those healthcare workers that went through it already before right. are back going through this again. And um, so I, I say all this to say that th- this, if, if, if Morehouse college were the university of Alabama, would they be making the decision that they're making and Morehouse college, which is you're familiar with the school division two school, uh, HBCU school in Atlanta. Uh, Denzel Washington's son, John David Washington played football there, but they, they have canceled fall sports and they have two fall sports, football uh, and cross country. And in a letter uh, on the athletic department's website, the president said, uh, that teams traveling to other schools cannot compete without breaking from social distancing guidelines still maintained by the CDC. He also said that sporting events held at Morehouse would invite individuals to their campus who will not be subject to the same testing and monitoring that they're planning to implement for their own students, faculty, and staff. So basically it's, it's all about health. I mean, he's, he's really just saying we can't, guarantee this and how much we hate it for especially the seniors and uh it was tough but he said i can only ask for your understanding and respect for the fact that the college is prioritizing your health and safety ahead of all else yeah yeah i mean and the question about if if this school is that school i mean the bottom line with you we may not see any i think by the time it's all said and done we may not see any division two and division three um, and maybe even, you know, FCS type, um, sports in the fall because they aren't, they don't have these big TV contracts. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the main reasons these, that the, the power conferences want and need to play is to satisfy their TV contracts to still get the TV money, even if they can't put a lot of fans in the stands. I mean, right. because they're going to drown, they're, they're, you know, they're not going to be able to pay these exorbitant coaching salaries and, you know, pay down the debts on their palatial facilities that they have, um, where this has become this arms race in sports, 
I mean, think about Kentucky alone. They, what do they? What do they owe Mark Stoops seven million dollars or whatever, and and Calipari almost ten. And then when you take into account their staffs, that's probably right. another you know seven eight. I mean, there's probably thirty million dollars in football and basketball staff salaries. Yeah. Before you talk about anything else, travel expenses mm-hmm. and and uh, you know caring for your players, feeding your players. Um, all of that, all your other coach. I mean, Kentucky is one of the highest paid women's basketball coaches in college uh, basketball. Right. Um, they got to pay these people, and they and the TV money is one of the biggest pieces of that pie. It's the biggest, not one of. It's the biggest piece of the pie. Uh, and you're not getting your TV money if you're not satisfying your TV contract. And so, um, so then it does raise sort of a moral and ethical question of if it's not safe for the schools that aren't worried about their tv money <laughs> yeah. why why is it safe for the tv the schools that are worried about their tv money and is and is, yeah. and is it safe at all or are you just worried about your tv money so that i mean that's that's the big question and uh i don't have you know I, I i don't have a great answer because i do recognize that at some point we risk totally collapsing the, the economy um yeah. And I'm not a person that says like sacrifice people to the economy, but I think as we we got to just monitor. I guess you know how can things be managed? How can you mitigate? You know, if if you know 99.9 percent of these young athletes are going to be okay, even if they get it, how do you keep them away from the at risk population? And some of those at risk people are in your facilities or yeah. on your coaching staff. Right. If you can do that, okay, maybe. Uh, if we get to a point with treatment where very few people die of it, um, then that changes things because people do get the flu. I mean, look, I, I'm not I'm not conflating these things because I've been a person that's been very anti. This is not just like the flu, but I will say in in comparison uh, to the flu, we we have a flu season every year, and and people thousands of people do die from the flu every year, and athletes spread the flu every year. I mean, every year John Calipari has to hire serve pro to go through when when the flu runs through the team, uh, and they they clean the place top to bottom. Um, so there's there's a lot there's a lot of questions about function and safety, and also just ethics. Like what what is ethically acceptable in terms of risk? Not only to the players, but the people that the players are going to be exposed to. That's just, I just don't have answers. It's such a complicated. It is yeah. such a complicated issue that I would almost feel crushed by the weight of it. Making if I were one of the power brokers making the final decisions on this, I would not want anything to do with being a college president or an athletic director or uh, or an NCAA leader right now trying to decide the fate of college athletics and athletes. Well, I'll tell you what I would do right after this. I tell you about rockauto.com. We're talking about, uh, an organization that's been in business, a family business for 20 years, providing auto parts online. And it's just as simple as this. Do you want to save money on your auto parts? So if you're fixing up your car, you need something for your vehicle. Do you want to save money? I mean, if the answer is not yes, then I, I don't know what to tell you. But you obviously want to save money. The best way to do that is go to rockauto.com. Because if you go to one of the big chain stores, 
they're just not going to be able to provide you uh, one, maybe with the part in stock. It's most likely they don't even have your part in stock. And then two, they're not going to be, be able to provide you the lowest price. Sometimes some of these places will charge um, charge you more than they would someone else buying the same part because that other person is a professional mechanic and they have different price levels. So just just do the right thing here when it comes to getting uh, parts for your for your vehicle. Just just make it simple and go to rockauto.com. And while you're there, put in locked on in that little box where it says, how did you hear about us? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked on Kentucky, and Kyle and I were discussing you know, what, what's going to happen here with the football season We're you know, uh, we've heard some, some, um, some thoughts along the lines of the next four weeks. I can't remember who said it, but the next, I think it may, might've been Dr. Fauci actually, who said like the next four weeks are going to be huge in determining what happens with, with college football. Uh, we mentioned that Morehouse has canceled their football season. And uh, you mentioned Kyle, how you don't envy these presidents and athletic directors trying to figure out what to do. Not at all. To me, uh, if if you're not even considering like health or anything, if you're just if you're just looking at it from uh, you want it, you're a fan and you want to see football, you want football to happen. I would prefer looking at it that way that you just wait until you know you can have the full season because a vaccine is is in the works. Like they've been working on this and a vaccine needs of course, ample time to be tested and have a trial. And so the timetable would put us um, possibly around January. If you know, if it's, if everything goes quickly, we could possibly have a vaccine by, by the end of the year, by January. And the second semester still gives you enough time to play a full college football season. What I would hate to see is that you start your college football season and then it just stops and then it's cut off and there's no chance to play the rest of it because yeah and I think once you start it if you stop it for any length of time it's just illogical to to start it yeah, back up you, you know you, you can't, can't bring you, it back football's no. a sport where you absolutely cannot do that because then you'd have right. to basically have preseason camp all over again mm-hmm. so I that's what I would like to see because I have just uh, if we're at these numbers right now and w- without a vaccine. And we've already proven to ourselves that um, as a country, we're not we're not all willing to do the things that it takes to prevent the spread of it. So that that's been proven. We are not responsible enough as as a society to to take care of ourselves this way. So this is where we are, and it's not going to get any better if we're still dealing with the first wave. And then when it get, turns cold in the winter and it gets worse. Well, you can't be out there playing football if if the numbers are worse than they are right now at that point. It's just not going to be something we can do. Like you said, you can't outrun it. Uh, I yeah. get that. You can't outrun it. You do have to deal with it. But we're doing a horrible job of dealing with it. And if it gets out of control with deaths and, and numbers and hospi- there's no yeah. people aren't able to go to the hospital because they're full, you can't just keep running that way. You're going to have to start shutting stuff down again, like Florida is doing, like Texas is doing and shutting bars down again and putting a pause on the phasing of reopening and all that stuff. So to me, it doesn't, 
four weeks out from the next four weeks of thinking it's going to get so much better. I don't know that it will. And I would much rather play the full college football season than just play, you know, a handful of games and then have to put a stop on it. And then just like, you know, college basketball, we didn't get our NCAA tournament and college football. We won't get our, our national or uh, college football playoff. We won't get our uh, conference championship games. If you've got a much better chance to play it, in that second semester when heck it would, you would still get your TV money. It would, I mean, it would have to be, it would have to be massaged quite a bit because of the college basketball schedule and all the conflicts. But my gosh, ESPN has a hundred channels that they'll, they'll figure out a way to get all the games up there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. Um, because I think you could end up delaying and then not playing it either. <laughs> um, Delay and then still not go. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really, I genuinely don't have the answer. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend like I can say this, this will be safe or this makes sense. I just, I don't think anybody knows. And there's so, I mean, there, there is so much money at stake that if there's no college, if there is no college football season or, or even just a very shortened college football season, I mean, uh, Athletic departments, it might, I don't know how long it'll take them to recover. Um, and I think that says something about the, what college athletics have become. It's become so much of a business that, it, you know, one interrupted year has uh, is threatening to cripple the whole enterprise. But that is the fact of the matter. Um, you know, I was just seeing the NBA, I guess they tested like 300 and some players and they had 16 test positive um, earlier this week. So, like, they haven't even started, and they've already got 16 guys mm-hmm. tested positive. When that, that also just makes me think about all the different NBA guys that have trained with Kentucky players in private gyms this summer in the last couple of weeks as they head here on yeah. Monday. Uh, you know, I mean, B.J. Boston and those guys have played with half the, the NBA um, yeah. this summer in these private gyms, you know, so by, you know, seven degrees or six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, like, you know, the the odds of them having been exposed to somebody who's been exposed to it are pretty high. Um, So I just don't know. I don't know what you do when you start, you know, they get here and it's, it's all not that big a deal when you're doing voluntary workouts months from the season, but when the games are tomorrow, (laughs) yeah, you know, when the game, when the games are next week and you've got, dozens of positive tests i just don't know <laughs> your dog disagrees with yeah. me uh i just don't know what you do so right well the way another way i look at it too is uh, we've been dealing with this for a little over 3 months uh if you add another 6 months to it it just has to be better you just got to think that 6 more months you'd think uh, that but we just got done saying you know, right. four, four months later, we're right back where we started. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know that we can guarantee anything with this right now. Uh, Cause we're all like hopeful. We go, we go, Oh, well there's, there's vaccines in development. There's this and that, but will it get done? Will our, I know that, that some drug companies are mass producing stuff that, that, that may, they may end up just throwing away, which I think is a noble thing to do because they're trying to ramp up so that once one of them is approved, there's already millions of doses. Right. But we're going to need hundreds of millions of doses worldwide when there is a vaccine. 
Mm-hmm. And the idea that just because, uh, let's say, a vaccine gets approved in December to be distributed in January, will there be hundreds of millions of doses to the point that you could justify giving them to your, you know, vaccinating all your athletes? Or do they have to get in line behind elderly people and all the more at-risk people? You know what I mean? Like, I, even yeah. even if we have a vaccine, I don't know that it's going to like be the, the cure-all that saves sports because uh, – Will there be enough? Will what will be that that brings like all these other ethical questions? So I just don't know. I really, I I was starting. I had about two weeks. I think I think the period mm-hmm. was about two weeks where I felt relatively hopeful. Yeah, that that sports Same are going to crank up and go. I mean, look, the PGA Tour is now in danger. The one sport that was supposed to be like, of course they can, <laughs> of course they can right. play golf. Like these guys can, you play by yourself. You can stay at an enormous distance from people. You're right. outside and they got all these caddies and players testing positive and now pulling out of the event this week. Um, I mean, if they can't do golf <laughs> in the age of COVID, I know. God, I don't know about contact sports, man. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about why it is, it's such a big deal for Kentucky to be able to have a season yes. this year. I mean, to, to be able to have play this year, uh, it's not like this is a team that's looking at a two and 10. This, this is a team that's looking at a really good chance to do something. And we'll discuss that more when we return here on Locked on Kentucky. But let me tell you about a product I've been telling you about uh, for more than a month now, a couple months. Uh, but right now is a really good time to jump in here. As a matter of fact, it's the last day today, uh, the 26th of June, Friday, the last day to get 50% off everything at builtbar.com. 50% off at builtbar.com. Uh, and, and these guys are socially responsible as well. They're giving a hundred percent of profits from 8 million bars to be donated to organizations that support education fight poverty, support equality, and fight towards ending hate and racism. You can go on their website, builtbar.com, to learn more about all that. But uh, as you know, so many of these um, Built Bar protein bars uh, are just, they taste like a candy bar. I'm looking right now at their website. They have sold out of the banana nut bread. You've probably heard me mention how much I like that one because it tastes like banana nut bread in a bar which is crazy. It doesn't taste like those chalky, gritty, nasty protein bars. And the greatest thing about Built Bar beyond its taste is that it is lower in calories, higher in protein, lower in sugar, and lower in carbs than the leading protein bars. Go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. And remember, last day to get 50% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Welcome back here to Locked On Kentucky. Kyle, we're talking about the football season and just how Kentucky's got a really nice team. I mean, it yes. would be be a shame, obviously, for no college football for all of us, but uh, for Kentucky especially, where it's only had one 10-win season since 1977, and it's just happened a couple of years ago, and now Mark Stoops feels like he's got another one of those teams and people are starting to notice Kentucky has been, um, you know, disrespected or gets a lack of respect year after year by national 
writers who are making predictions and Kentucky's always slept on and SEC media days, Kentucky doesn't ever get the respect it thinks it should. And, and they've played that up. Vince Merrow's played that up. Mark Stoops has played that up. They've got that chip on their shoulder mentality, but this year it's a little different. Like today, Cole Kubelik, um, SEC network analyst tweeted out his top returning tackles in the SEC and number two and three were Landon Young and Darian Kennard. And then we know what they think about Drake Jackson. And then um, even CBS Sports uh, put out there that, uh, I mean, they have got a college football podcast that they do. It's called the Cover 3 podcast. And Barton Simmons is a guy who's on there. And he's said the Wildcats are very intriguing, under the radar. Uh, someone not to be slept on. Uh, everybody's talking about Georgia and Florida, but uh, Tennessee is the hot team. South Carolina, they finally got a uh, offensive coordinator. But then Kentucky, everyone's counting them out, and no one has circled them on the schedule, and no one's picking them as the dark horse. Uh, so basically don't sleep on Kentucky because of, I mean, you got what you got on the offensive line, what you got at running back what you have uh, in Terry Wilson, the potential there, and then what you have on defense, that defensive line, that secondary, and uh, a pass rusher like Boogie Watson's drawn comparisons to Josh Allen, and DeAndre Squares, as solid as you can get up the middle. Yeah, I've been thinking for weeks now, you know, the the kind of coaches who will be especially gutted if this season can't go forward are, are guys like Mark Stoops, who've built and built and built at places that it's really hard to build. And they have this roster that suggests they could, you know, do something really special. Um, And again, I think when you're Kentucky trying to like change the all the overall perception, not just show we can have a good year, but really alter the, the long-term perception of your program, the chance to do this for a third straight year is, is not insignificant. You know, that right. to me, you do if you do it three years in a row, and it would be five straight years going to a bowl game. But if you can go three straight years of, of really, you know, above average performance in your program's history, if you if you win eight plus games for a third consecutive year, I think you've really altered I think I think we maybe have mentioned this before, sort of the, the South Carolina um mentality where for years South Carolina was just like a total afterthought. Well, then mm-hmm. they, they hit their sweet spot. You know, it took Spurrier a while to get it going. And Spurrier, by the way, one of uh, the Stoops family's sort of longtime mentors and friends, it took, took Spurrier a while to, to really get it going at South Carolina. But then he did, and he uncorked three straight 10-win seasons, I think maybe 11-win seasons even, um, at South Carolina. And that changed – that changed the perception of South Carolina so much that in the years since when they haven't been as good, you know, talk about preseason prognostications and magazines and respect people yeah. were get people still giving South Carolina respect. I think built on what they think of that program, the perception of it from the high watermark under Spurrier. Cause I mean, when you, when you go win 10 plus three straight years at a place like South Carolina and you play, they finally broke through and did win the East and played in an SEC championship game. Um, it changed for, for a long period of time. It has changed the perception of that program. 
And that's where Kentucky is right now. Like they have a chance to really drive the nail, really drive home the point that we're not the same program anymore. And, you know, I think everything's on the table this year for Kentucky. I think they have to go into the year thinking we could contend in the East. They're completely loaded pretty much across the board. And there's the one question mark. That's only a question mark as because of injury and Terry Wilson, because I think if he's healthy and he's, you know, the best version of Terry Wilson based on some of the highlights we've seen of him, they're absolutely an SEC East contender. So, like, for coaches like Stoops, and there aren't even that many of them, so maybe I should just say for Mark Stoops in particular, this would be a, a nightmare for them to not get to play this season. Because it's not yeah. like all these guys are going to come back. Like, you have a bunch of veteran players who, if you just don't play this year, then they'll go in the NFL draft and they'll be, they'll be gone. Yeah. Boogie Watson is not going to come back if they don't play a season. You know, right. and, there, and there are others. And so, man, there's a lot hanging on this for, for guys like Stoops and a program like Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I see this as a year where Kentucky could could beat Florida and Tennessee and Vanderbilt and um, Missouri and South Carolina and Mississippi State and possibly Auburn, uh, and it come down to a game against Georgia. I mean, Kentucky's strong yeah. enough. It could do that. I don't think any of those teams that I just mentioned – uh, outside of Auburn and Georgia. I mean, I know Tennessee has been talked about. I know Florida has been talked up. They're basing Florida on on the quarterback who's not really proven anything yet. I mean, this is all, you know, unproven potential with, with Tennessee and with Florida. Uh, Auburn is a little bit different. Um, they have a track record. Uh, and then Georgia, we've seen where it's gone under Kirby Smart. But uh, I mean, Kentucky should have a chance in every one of their games. Uh, yeah, and that the like to me too, the path to the SEC East doesn't even mean you get you get to the point where you can line up and beat Georgia necessarily, um, mm. because there's a scenario where you run the table except for the Georgia game in the in the SEC. You go seven and one in the league, and they beat you, but they lose twice. Maybe they lose yeah. to Florida and they lose to somebody really good in the West. Uh, and you get in. Well, they got to play Auburn every year. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, and there, there are scenarios where you don't necessarily, I don't know that Kentucky can catch Georgia on the talent gap. I think they're the one team in the league that, that has a chance to always be quite a bit more talented, even than Kentucky's really good talent level. Because they're just right now at a different level. I mean, nobody's lining up, you know, and saying we're we're, we're as talented as Alabama, and that's what Georgia is. Georgia right. in in the East is recruiting like Alabama has been recruiting. It's right. it's it's Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson. I mean, those are like those three programs, and probably Ohio State would be a fourth. Are just smoking people, <laughs> you know, when yeah. it comes to getting the elite 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 guys. But I don't. I, I think there's still a scenario that exists where you, you maybe not be good enough to beat them, but a couple other teams catch them and you only lose once and you get in there. Um, but even if you can't, like, I think just being in the race, I think being, you know, starting, the starting the month of November at Kentucky with a chance, a mathematical chance to, to win the East, uh, right. Is a big deal. And it change, you know, it, it does change things. And who knows if you knock on that door enough years, maybe you do start to land some recruits you couldn't get before. Right. I mean, to to have to go into bowl season with a ten and two record 
and be in a, a great bowl game, you know, prestigious bowl game uh, and do that, you know, this year and next year and the year after that. I mean, <laughs> that's that level that you're trying to get to next. that could, could lead to what you're talking about of potentially recruiting as well as one of those schools. But yeah. And I just don't think you can afford that, that all to say, I don't know that you can afford when you're building that to take a year off <laughs> right? And, and have a, and have a year where your best players are veterans and they may just go away uh, right. without ever having played that season for you. That, that would be, I think a, a major blow to Kentucky. All right. One more thing before we go is Grant McKinnis, the kicker who uh, Kentucky kicker who entered the transfer portal He's landed at Missouri, uh, so he's going to be in the East. Uh, I just can't imagine That's what an kind odd of, one. Yeah, you just know we're we're headed for if we have the season, we're headed for a a kick from McKinnis or a <laughs> kick from Kentucky in that game. That's going to decide it, and uh, <laughs> which would be which would be great. I'm all for that. Um, but uh, that's going to do it for us. In the meantime, um, check us out on Twitter uh, if you want a topic that you want us to discuss, you got a topic you want us to discuss, hit us up there or a question. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. uh, Check out, tell your smart device to check out the latest episode of Locked On NBA. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs>